Welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. How about y'all? Y'all think God's good? I want to welcome you all to church today, and those who are with us at church online, thank you so much for being a part, and I know that God's going to minister you today. So I, I'm not going to go back into all the definitions of marriage and how marriage is supposed to work and, and what uh, uh, all the, 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 what is normative from the Bible as it pertains to gender and marriage. I'm not going to go into all that today. What I want you to do, if you didn't, if you weren't here Sunday, uh, last Sunday, I want you to go to the, to the podcast or to YouTube, and I want you to listen to or watch that message, and it can kind of lay some groundwork, but it can give you some good foundation and good ways of thinking as it pertains to how to deal with those things in our culture and society today. But today, I just want to get right straight to what a disciple's marriage is like, and I want to talk to you about the five functions of a disciple's marriage. Now, I have... Now 14 minutes left, so I'm probably not going to get to all five. If I do, it will be a flipping world record, and we should like get the, the, the people who do that world record stuff here, and I should win something. Amen. So uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 5 through 9, it says, it, it was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote the law about divorce, because they were talking to him about divorce. He said, but at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother... And be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And, 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 and the idea last week, we talked about how God said he didn't bring, come to bring peace into the family, but he came to bring a sword. And this was hyperbolic language that Jesus was using to help us understand your love for me should be greater than any love you have for anyone else, even those of your family. Your, your mother, you should not love your mother more than you love God. You should not love your father more than you love God. You should not love yourself more than you love God. You should not love others more than you love God. You shouldn't love your mother-in-law more than you love God. Some of y'all said, no problem. Anyway, uh, you should not love you should not love the other members of your family. But there's one one relationship that he never discussed, and that was marriage. He didn't say, "Don't love your spouse more than you love me." Now he wasn't saying to love your spouse more than you love God. What he was doing is he was inferring what is true about spouses when it comes to marriage in the kingdom of God. And that is when you come together in Christ, this is why it's so important to be married, but when you come together in Christ, you are no longer two, you are one. That's how God sees you. He says in the beginning when God created male and female, he created them and then a man leaves his family and a wife leaves her family to come together and be one flesh. And this is speaking of more than just a physical union. This is also speaking of a spiritual union, a connection that is made between man and woman. It doesn't mean you lose your individuality. It doesn't mean you no longer have your own thoughts. It doesn't mean that, that you're, you're in any way not an individual, but it also means that your individuality is interdependently connected to the individuality of your spouse. And now God sees you as one. That's why the Bible talks about when a man, when a woman will live her life holy and her household will be sanctified because God looks at you and your spouse as one. 
And it's important for us to get that because that tells us how, how big a deal it is when we don't connect. It tells us how big a deal it is when we're going in opposite directions. It tells us how big a deal it is when we're doing our own thing or doing marriage our way instead of God's way or do, doing coupling our way instead of God's way or viewing this relationship, this romantic relationship, whatever you want to call it, our way instead of God's way. We've been learning about discipleship and we've been learning about the teachings of our rabbi, Jesus, and we're learning the fact that being a disciple is who we, uh, is who we are and it impacts every other area of our lives. We are first and foremost disciples of Jesus and that impacts our personal life, our family life, our occupational life, our financial life, and every single aspect of our life. That's the way it's supposed to work. But we, as Americans, have done something very silly. Maybe not just Americans, but people in the Western world. We get this, we get this on this bent about priorities. And we, we always want to have the right priorities. And it's so funny because when we put our priority list together, if you match that list towards the actions and operations of your life, it very rarely matches. Right? Come on. Because you say, everybody says at the top of the list is who? Who's at the top? God's at the top. But we don't spend the time with God we should. Come on, somebody. Uh, we, 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 you know, God's at the top. God's at the top. I always want God to be first in my life. I don't want God. And to us, that means go to church on Sunday. Put him at the first of the week. And, and, and anymore, that's not even the case. But the reality is that's not how God works. God's much too big to be on our priority list. He doesn't belong on our priority list. He's not first. I told them last week, everybody say this after me. I want you to say it. God is not first in my life. Say it. Y'all are like, I feel like I'm committing a sin by saying that. No, God's far more than first in your life. God is central to your life. You see, every single one of us has a throne on our heart. Every one of us. We have this, this, this who's going to be king of David Gadbury's life? Who's it going to be? And we have a choice. Either I can sit on that throne for myself and say, I'll take control of David's life. I'll be the Lord of my own life. I'll guide my life. I'm the king of my life. Or I can do the wise thing and say, I'm, I'm getting off this throne because the, the way I rule my own life isn't working so well. And so I'm going to hand it over to God and I'm going to let God sit on the throne of my life. And that puts God at the centermost point of my life. So then he's not first and then everything else because that's unfair to God. That's putting God in a compartment or a category and saying you get a piece, but you don't get all. But God said, I don't want a piece of your life. I want all of your life. That's what discipleship is. Don't come to me with a piece of your life. Don't come to me saying, here, you can have this part of my life and then the rest belongs to me. Or you can say, this is my life, God. Now come and join it. No, that's the opposite of discipleship. Discipleship is saying, God, I'm a blank slate. Here is my life. Make it what you will. Are you with me? Are you hearing me? That's discipleship. So then when that begins to pertain to the areas of our life, and today we're talking about marriage, we need to really contemplate what that means. What does it mean to be a disciple of God and be married to my spouse? What does it mean? Well, there are five functions of a disciple's marriage. The first one is devotion. 
We're heavily devoted. And this devotion doesn't start with your spouse, but it starts with your God. When you are truly devoted to God, then you'll truly be devoted to your spouse. I can always tell when people come and need marriage counseling, and if you've ever been one of those people, it's you're awesome and you're courageous and you're brave that you would say, hey, I'm going to go get help. It's the people who say, I don't need any help that bother me. Of course you need help. Everybody needs help. You should have some kind of coach, dis, uh, uh, dis, uh, a teacher or a disciple maker in your life that is helping you along the road. If you're a young couple in here today and you know a married couple in this church that has been married for a long time and you haven't gone to them and said, hey, could we hang out sometime? I would really like to know what made your marriage work so well. If you haven't done that, you're just out of your ever-loving mind. You need to go find them, take them to lunch, pay for their dinner, and ask them questions questions. Get to know what it's like to be a good married couple. Get to know what it's like to have God bless your marriage. Come on, somebody. Oh, man, y'all just, y'all like, okay, you got seven minutes, Pastor. Dedication, number two, dedication. We're dedicated. We're devoted. We're dedicated. Number three is determination. Oh, this is the one we've lost. This is one our culture has lost, not just in marriage, but in so many ways. Uh, Four is deliberation or deliberate being intentional. Five is demonstration. There is something God is trying to demonstrate through marriage that we need to see. Uh, We're never going to get through all these. Hallelujah. But that just makes the series longer and you get to learn more. Everybody say amen. That's good. You're just, I know you're just amen to me because you want to see if I can do this. I can do it. Devotion. So what is devotion? What is devotion? Devotion is profound dedication. It's not just dedication, it's profound dedication. It is unbelievable dedication. When someone looks at it, they're like, my God, they are so dedicated, so committed. It's the earnest attachment to a cause or a person, etc. Disciples are devoted first to Christ, completely dedicated to him and the cause of his kingdom. And out of that dedication flows their dedication to each other. I tell people all the time, I've been married to Janae Gadbury for 35 years. We've been together for 37 years. We dated for two years before we got married. We were 19 years old when we got married. 19 19. Now, it's not for everybody, but it's okay for some people. It works. You just follow the Lord in, in, in how and when. But for us, it worked. But I can tell you right now, when we first got married, I had some problems. How many of y'all can believe that? I, I was, I mean, I was saved two years and, and maybe going into ministry, and I'm telling you, I was still a hot mess. I was still working through some stuff. I was still trying to get it, uh, you know, taken care of. I was, you know, I had ADHD and didn't know. We didn't know what that was back then. So I, I had no clue. And, and, and I, would, I was impulsive. I would do stupid things. I, I, I'm not proud of saying this, but I remember one time we got in some fight on the way home. And we would let fights go crazy. Like we would let fights go to, uh, to, the, to the, I mean, the nutty place. I mean, we would get with. It. You know what? How many of y'all know what I'm saying? Well, how many of y'all know what I'm saying when I say we let the fights go too far? I mean, you know, and in the middle of those fights, in the middle of those fights and those arguments, you know, in your heart, you know where that level is. And, and when you hit that 
that level, you know you're hitting it. And you're like, mm, we're going too far, but you just can't stop yourself. You just, you're too mad. You're too angry. You're too, I've got to make my point. I don't think you get it yet. And I always tell people, Janae's one of those people that she wants to figure it out. She wants to discuss it. She wants to think about it. Let me think. You won't let me think. You're just over here, talk, 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 yell, yell, yell. And you won't let me think. And here's what our arguments were like. I would just follow her around the house. And she'd say, let me think. And I'd say, no, we want to solve this right now. Well, I promise we'll solve it later if you let me think about it. I'd say, no, we need to stop. We are not stopping this discussion till we figure it out. And then she'd lock up. And then I'd get the, you know what i get? What is it? The silent treatment. <laughs> silent treatment. How is it that people know this? How to do this? Just lock you out. Just completely lock you out. And you're like, oh, I know this is happening to me. I'm not going to put up with this. And then you just talk more until you get mad. And then it's just you in the argument. And you're just doing both sides now. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're saying. You're saying to yourself. And now you're arguing for her and for yourself. And you're arguing with yourself until you realize how stupid you look. Arguing with yourself while she's just standing there being quiet. So I remember one day we got so mad we were coming home, driving, and we got to the house, and I was so mad. I just stomped out. I let her get out the car at her own pace. I got out the car, wham, slammed the door behind me, ran into the car, swung the door open, went in. I was so angry, y'all, and so impulsive at the time, and not understanding why I was feeling the way I was feeling. There was a lot of stuff I was dealing with, and I'm not proud of this, but I just went in to our armoire. Y'all know what that is, like a... a chest of drawers or whatever, and it had doors on it, and then inside had, had uh, 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 drawers and then places at the bottom, and I just went on, took both those doors and just ripped them off, wham, threw them in the corner. And I mean, the moment I did it, I felt like the biggest idiot on the face of the planet, because I was. But the reason when you fight and when you go at it and you're always, you're going to, how many of y'all know you're going to fight in marriage? It's not if you're going to fight, it's how you're going to fight. You have to learn that you're going to disagree at times. Now, I'm not saying you have yelled at each other. We were immature and stupid and ignorant and doing things we shouldn't have been doing. We didn't get enough counsel. And, you know, we had people telling us you can live on love and, and, and not telling us that you can live on love, but you'll die without money. And anyway, uh, I, you, 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 you know, and so we were always struggling over money, always struggling over communication, always struggling over sex, always struggling over everything. It's just like, oh, we didn't know what we we're doing up and down and around and around. But the reason when your life goes like that and it doesn't mature and it doesn't grow, because now I can say without equivocation, I love that woman more than any single person on the face of this planet. And I'm not saying that because she's my wife and I'm supposed to say that. And I'm not one of those preachers that preaches, boy, marriage is hard and you should really, it is hard. But you know what? It's one of the most wonderful things that there is because God gave it to us. In order to bless us and to help us. And I can tell you that our relationship, it's not always perfect, but it is great. And why? Because we grow together and we mature together and we communicate with one another. But the reason is not because I'm so dedicated to her and I am truly dedicated to her. 
Not because I'm so devoted to her, but I am truly devoted to her. Do you know what it is? It's the fact that I am so devoted to Jesus. That's what saves our marriage. That's what makes our marriage so great. That's why we have victory in marriage and our marriage is thriving. And it is. This is not, I'm not, we're not one of those family. You know me well enough if you've been here very long. I'm just real. She's just real. We don't put on pretense. What you see is what you get. We don't always agree, but we, this is who we are. And I'm not putting on a good marriage so my church will know I have a good marriage. No, we really do have a great marriage. And you know why? Because we're devoted to Jesus. If you are pursuing this devotion to Jesus and your spouse is pursuing this devotion to Jesus, then it just continually brings you together and it creates more of a devotion to each other. It's an overflow of devotion. Our relationship vertically always influences our relationships horizontally. Genesis chapter 20, verse 2, verse 20 through 25 says this. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. So when we're devoted to God, it intensifies our devotion to our spouse vulnerability and transparency before God brings a vulnerability and transparency among spouses that creates the highest form of intimacy. Listen, sex is not the highest form of intimacy. Vulnerability and transparency are the highest forms of intimacy. You know that person. I know them and I am known by them. There, your spouse, look, I, listen, I, I don't know what you think and how you roll, but let me just say some, your spouse should be your best friend. That's who your best friend should be, your spouse. Not, you shouldn't have buddies that you talk to about things that you don't talk to your spouse about. That's, you're headed down a road that's going to lead you to disaster if you keep that up. That's for you men that go talk to your buds around golf or whatever you do. And you don't talk to your wife that way, but you talk to them. That's, that's good for you women who are spilling the tea with the girls, right? But you don't talk to your husband. Listen, that's not okay. Why? Because you are one. Why? It's because you are connected. That should be your best friend. You know why we're great? You know why we're great together? Because we're friends. Hello. I know people who love their spouse. They really do. They just don't like them very much. Man, Janae, it's just me and you up here, baby. <laughs> so many marriages lack and long for real intimacy, true closeness, to get past the surface and into a place of real connection. It's not getting what you want out of the relationship. That'll take you there. But it's the intimacy that you have with God, the devotion that you have towards God that will get you there. The more devoted the two of you are to Jesus, the more you are conformed into his image. The fruit of his spirit is born in your life, and it takes your relationship higher and deeper and closer than you ever thought possible. So listen, 
the, pla- the, the place of connection with your spouse, the place of true intimacy with your spouse, the place of true dedication with your spouse, the pl- place of true revelation and transparency and community and, and all the things that you're wanting in that intimate place. All you ladies that just want your husband, I just want him to understand. I just want him to understand how I'm feeling. And all you men who feel like no one understands you, especially your spouse, this is what God intended for you in the context of marriage, that you would be open and vulnerable and transparent. And the pathway to that kind of marriage is through prayer. The pathway to that kind of marriage is through communion with God. It's through dedication to God. It's not just about being a dutiful Christian and going to church and checking the box and reading my Bible every once in a while and journaling every... No, it's about having true communion with God, talking to Him and letting Him talk to you, being dedicated to Him Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, committing yourself so fully to Him, being so open to Him that He begins to cultivate His fruit in your life, which allows allows you to be open with your loved one, allows you to be open with your spouse and vulnerable with your spouse and not so prideful and not so arrogant and not so incapable of communicating hard things or dealing with trouble, but just literally just going to them, sitting down and saying, I want to know you and I want you to know me. And you, you as well as I do, those of you who've been married a long time, you can go through seasons, huh, can't you, where you sit across from the person you're married to that you love so much and you knew so well, and then go, who, who is that sitting over there? Because we allowed other things to step in front of, first, our dedication to God, and second, our dedication to that one who is one with us. So I'm stopping right there. You only got the first one. And I still went over, y'all. I still... So today I want to encourage you, don't miss the rest of these because they're very important to your married life. They're very important to you if you want to be married. And, and you need to take these steps that we're going to talk about practically and begin to allow God to make you vulnerable with one another, communicate with one another, love each other, and be transparent with each other because it will change your relationship and it will edify God. And that, by the way, you'll see later, is the whole reason for marriage to begin with. Father, we thank you for being a part of the Summit Church podcast today. We pray that God used today's podcast to draw you closer to him. You can stay in the know at Summit by following us on social media. Thank you again for being a part. This is the Summit Church podcast.